Ladies and gentlemen, we would now like to present to you and formally introduce Bob, Koss, and Arthur, the Play No Games Podcast. It's your favorite podcast. When we talk about real life and exchange a few laughs, we stick into our path. When you find understanding, just know that that will never last. We ain't here to play, no. What's poppin', y'all? It's Cartier Bob. Crazy. Oh! Do y'all hear that new, that new sound? Ooh. Y'all ready for the full version to be dropped? But uh, as you know, I'm CB. I'm Arthur. And welcome to the Play No Games podcast. Slash show. Yeah, we stopped doing that a while ago. Oh, man, we got to give it nostalgia, nostalgia. <laughs> oh, man. And if you don't know, now you know. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, it's easy. If you can't donate, we take follows. We take comments. So... Without further ado, we're going to get into our, uh, what do you call it, our most famous segment of the show, and I'm going to pass it to no other. Yes, sir. So there, there is a person in the middle. We're going to get to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a part of this segment, but mm-hmm. we're going to start the Play No Game segment. Yeah. It's uh, positive, negative, informative. It can be anything about your day. All you have to say is, I'm ready to play no games about this and show us how we do this. CB, uh, yes. CB gonna show you us know, how we do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, you know what? You know what I don't play no games about? That's, I am Cartier Bob on the show. I know, I know, I know y'all don't like it. No. I know y'all don't like it, but oh, that's terrible. what it is on the show. Because, you know, Anywho, I have to edit that out, <laughs> and I've been editing it out the last three months. You know what? I'm tired of editing it out. <laughs> so, for y'all don't know, know the story. Let you know the story. Talk to me. So, I don't own anything Cartier, right? Got it. And I had this one outfit on, and there's this one chick. Her name is Sarah. She was actually on the show, okay. and she was like, "Rob, you know, you look like a guy who would like rock Cartier a Cartier bracelet." Well, so she showed me this bracelet, and I was like. That's me. And she's like, forever, you're Cartier Bob. You're going to get that. So from there, because she saw that I was a diamond in the rough. <laughs> she already seen it. And I yeah. was like, that's a perfect name for me. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. I'm Cartier without none of it all. <laughs> I'm priceless. But that's why I'm playing no games Speaking about. Speaking into existence, man, you might get a Cartier bracelet sooner than later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cartier Bob, I'm with it. R.I.P. It's on you. Pounce. Play no games. Um, just something about my day, right? Anything. anything. Well, today I was at my university, my alma mater, and like I used to play hoop, college hoop. We'll get into all of that here and throughout the episode. But it's been a few years since I like really got down and like hoop. <laughs> I'll go like, you know, shoot on the shooting machine or like get oh. some shots up. But this morning was the first time in a minute that I really ran, ran, and I was whooped (laughs) like the game's still there you know i mean obviously a little bit bigger than i was back when i played but like the feel is there that don't that don't really go but yeah i was gassed quick like like i had hey (laughs) sub me out (laughs) quick like but but you know as the the more i played you know it felt a little bit more back to norm but it just got me inspired to get back out there and running. I might go hit up a men's league or something. Cause I cook them still, but <laughs> but I was playing with the young college cats, so they really out there running. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta get back to it for sure. <laughs> I love that. 
You know, I, res- I, re- I respect that. I respect that, you know. Because now I just talk about it. You know what uh, I mean? I used to get to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I said, we'll talk more about that. But now, you know, in my field of work, I just talk about the game. I just run my mouth about it. And that's cool with me, man. I still get to be around it. But I, I went out there and I tried it. <laughs> I tried yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And that's all I did was try it. My question is for you, because I saw this, like, video, and I have it saved in my save file, or it's, like, these old dudes, and they were still hooping, and they're, like, 80 and 70. Yeah. And I was, like, it was so dope to see them, like, still hoop. So I have a question. So it's not even about a question. It's just, like, I hope around, like, 70 to 80, I'm still hooping, doing, like, wild stuff with my friends. Yeah, like, for sure. I Like, I know tennis is, like, a longevity sport. That's right. why I still play it. Golf in my, is another one. But, like, I really want, like, for so much for – to play basketball yeah nah today i definitely was inspired like i'm 30 you know what i'm saying but really what happened was i had an injury i had like a leg injury playing in the men's league and i was cooking too i had like 25 and i just never got back to it since um Mm. part of it was like it happened right before the pandemic Mm. like like a couple months before the pandemic and then you know, I just kind of shifted gears. It, it wasn't as much run happening during the pandemic, and a lot of the runs in the leagues and stuff are starting to come back. I just, I'm pretty busy. Again, you'll learn some of the things I do today. I talked about it a little bit in the promo, but I've been, you know, like I said, I've just been getting in there. I'll go to my college and, like, you know, get the shooting machine out. I'll get, like, jumpers up, but today it was like, all right, we really running. Yeah. And I felt it for sure. I felt it. Uh. I would have to say uh, I ain't playing no games about water toys, man. I need to get my game up with these water toys. I need to get me a jet ski. I, yeah. I, you know, I, it's crazy because I'm at the park, and I took my dogs to the park today uh, out in, like, Melgen Bar, if you've ever heard of it. Mm. Um, it's like it connects. It's the Willamette, where the Willamette and Clackamas connect. Um, and, you know, all these – all these fair skinned folks got pull up with their jet skis and all that. And I'm like, I don't think I know any black first person with a jet ski. And I, I like had to really think about it. And I'm like, bro, I don't I don't think I know anybody. Like I need to get me a jet ski. Like for sure, for sure. Or like, just learn to swim, like my man's at the Montgomery uh I, I mean know I know saying? I know how to swim. <laughs> I, know. I, I had the job done too. I fucking knew we were going there. I fucking knew. Yo, my man showed me we didn't need no toys, man. We all just gotta learn how to swim so man. we can get to it when it's time. Man, I I, I know how to do that, but hey, he put it on a whole different level. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That was dope. I'll just say the reason why we don't have jet skis is because we worry we we're more worried about the land jet skis, the Jordans. True. That's that's where that's where we put our jet ski money at. I don't blame them. I'd rather have a nice pair of J's than a jet ski. Nah, I'd rather I, have a jet ski. Absolutely. I don't know. 100 percent Well, for one, I wear a size 14 shoes, so I can barely find any like clean J's in my size anyway. <laughs> I can't just go to the mall on the release day of whatever number Jordans is coming out and be like, oh yeah, y'all got a size 14? Because most likely they don't. They stop at like 12, maybe 13 every once in a while. So for me, it's jet ski all day long because I can't my shoe size don't really allow me to be a sneakerhead. So give me the jet ski, man. Yeah, I'm a jet ski person anyway. Shoes don't last. Jet skis do. Mm. I could keep a jet ski for 10 years. You can't keep really keep shoes clean like that for 10 years. You know, years. 
I'm not a real sneaker sneakerhead, but like I would just say for me, maybe because you know I'm one of the brothers that don't swim well without life vests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> Learn, my man. My man showed us the way. Yeah. <laughs> Montgomery brawl. <laughs> he showed us the way, dog. We gotta get to it. I fucking do this. Gonna, <laughs> this is gonna be like a, this is gonna be a running gag. Three weeks on the show. I know it's coming. Oh, oh yeah, yeah coming. absolutely. Oh yeah. Rightfully so, though. I will say, rightfully so. For sure. So uh, we're going to slide right into it. Um, the one and only Mr. Everywhere. Uh, pull up. You might see him outside. That's right. Uh, you know, Bay Area legend. Mm, uh, for, sure. for sure. You know, he put he put the bay on his back. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's the it's the it's the big time. The voice, the voice of of not only the Vikings. But also Pacific, I don't know, what's their mascot? The boxers. Boxers. University Pacific boxers. boxers. My sure. bad. <laughs> I still don't know what a boxer is yet, but, you know, a dog? I rock. A dog. I got a boxer. Uh, yeah, but it's not that. It's a little more, like, ancient stuff that goes along with the actual mascot itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, just Google see? it. Look, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. It's your boy, Pounce. Glad to be here, man. Man, it's it's been a, a long time coming, man. You a, you a big time out here. Man, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, 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 man. I appreciate the applause, man. Yeah. I appreciate the applause. But nah, man, I like what y'all doing over here. You know, I, I reached out to you a little while back, and, you know, I just been paying attention to what y'all doing. And I just support anybody that's, like, podcasting independently, especially when it's brothers. So I'm like, man, let's, you know, let me come sit down and chop game with y'all, man. Absolutely. Like, I, again, I support what y'all doing. I, I support... I guess you could call it the sport of podcasting. So for me, like <laughs> I'm right at home, you know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm glad that y'all that y'all got me over here and I know we've been trying for like a few months now, but right. we finally were able to make it happen, yeah. man. Time. That's Time. That's all it is. That's all, all it is. It truly is. <laughs> for sure. We going we going to roll right into the first question. Who if you were to describe yourself, who is Pounce? Pounce. Woo. Pounce is a lot, man. Um Obviously, you know, on a professional level, you know, I do a little bit of everything. I kind of talked about it in the promo, but I guess I would say a journalist, um, a DJ, somebody who loves music. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm very social, somebody who, who tries to be as social aware as possible. You know, I got an activism bone in my body as well. Um, and so, you know, I just try to, you know, do Every, anything that I'm interested in is mm-hmm. kind of what I try to do. I feel like a lot of times people like try to extend their reach a little bit too far because it seems like the trendy thing to do or the right thing to do. But for me, you know, I just like to really like hone in on my interests, which tend to be more so like sports, music and politics. And I just kind of deep dive into those worlds. Mm. That's real. That's dope. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like I said, I do a lot, man. Like, well, Again, get into all of it, and, and you know, I, I try to find creative ways to bring those worlds together, too, because I think that's been been really key and really vital for me, being able to, like, sustain in this space, in the journalism space, um, is to really just, like, make those worlds collide, because, you know, when you're a one-trick pony... Once they find out that trick ain't really tricking, <laughs> now you now you eliminate yourself yeah. okay. from being able to make stuff happen. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I try to 
be a dude that that does more like intersectional work so yeah. that way i can bring these worlds together but again if if one thing falls by the wayside i got other things that i can mm. lean on yeah that's real yeah that's that's super real so you talked about y- your dj your dj stuff yeah talk about it so you know you you everywhere you yeah all the yeah bars. yeah we could start with the dj man like like i guess the the origin story was being in college. I was a mm-hmm. college basketball player at Pacific University. And, you know, when you're a college hooper, especially back then before the NIL days, not to say that I went to a big enough school to where I was going to be cashing out on this NIL stuff today. But yeah. <laughs> for anybody, at that time, it was the norm that every college hooper was broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even the ones that were at big the times. high major mm-hmm. D1s, you know what I'm saying? Or you was doing something like really illegal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, at the time I met a dude who was a musician and he was like a local DJ as well. And mm. he and I were just kicking it, you know, doing what we do as college students, indulging in whatever it was we was indulging in. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and, and we were having a music conversation. Yeah, he was like, man, you you know a lot about music, which you know I do got a pretty extensive like familial music background, and but I just always kind of lean more into playing ball and playing yeah. sports. So he's like, man, you know I DJ, and he's like, I got these different bars, and I've been kind of looking for somebody that can like hold down one of the spots that I was able to kind of like get get a gig at. But he's like, I can't be everywhere at once, yeah. and so I'm yeah. like, I'm like, all right. Um, sure. Like I, I could use a couple dollars. I could use a little fifty, seventy-five dollars for three hours, which Man. is a joke now in <laughs> hindsight. You know but, but he, so he set me up. He already like had the sound system. He had, you know, one of those old school computers, and he had like it wasn't even a real DJ software. It was more mm. of like a KJ software. Mm. It was called Dex Three, but. What I mainly needed on that was I I didn't know how to, like, transition or none of that stuff Mm. yet. And it had, like, an auto fader that allowed you to transition from song to song. So didn't matter the BPMs, didn't have to beat match, didn't have to do none of that. But I had a good ear. I always had a good ear for music. So all I had to do was click that auto fader when I wanted to transition from one song to the next song. And... I, I started finessing gigs like that. Like, to be honest with you, I started finessing gigs. Like, I had a, I, we would do, like, on senior projects there, senior capstone day. Like, I had the local bar. All the seniors, after we all did our presentations, would come to this bar, and we would pack the bar out. So, for the bar, it was like, we, we in the middle of nowhere. We in Forest Grove, Oregon. They don't usually get no business anyway, so this is the most people they've ever seen in their little pool hall. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, like I said, I was finessing it, and then I had an inquiry from two of my two uh, people that I went to college with that ended up getting married, and they was like, man, for nostalgic purposes, like, we want you to DJ our wedding. And so, again, I'm like, well, I got this little system that I used to use back then. They like, man, we were dating and partying together in college to you DJing, so we want you to DJ our wedding. So, yeah, so I do that. Um, it's probably 2018, somewhere around there. So I do that. Um, and then, you know, I went from DJing in Forest Grove to then DJing in Hillsboro to then finding a spot in Portland. But again, this entire time I hit like some other spots where I would like KJ at as well. 
But during this entire time, um, again, I'm rigging it. I'm finessing it. I'm not really DJing. I just got a little, yes. little controller and I'm acting like I'm DJing, yes. but really I'm just clicking this button. Yes. <laughs> I'm fading from one song to the next. You know gotta what I'm saying? But, so then I started, but people really liked the music I was playing. Yeah. So it became more about the music and the transitions didn't sound too bad because I got this little auto fader. But I'm not telling them that, you know what I'm saying? So um, so then, you know, 2020 comes around, really 2019, I finally got what I would consider like my first residency at this rooftop bar. And I'm still using my own sound system. I'm still using this little Dex 3 situation. Oh, okay. um, and it's working. It's still working, right? And then like three months into the residency, March of 2020, pandemic hits, everything shuts down. All the gigs go by the wayside. And so um, then, you know, D-Nice, I was inspired. D-Nice started doing the club quarantine mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I'm a big, like, R&B and neo-soul guy. And so I was inspired by what D-Nice was doing. I knew another dude who's, like, 20 years older than me was a retired DJ, but he had, like, all the equipment I didn't have, and he was, like, helping me do a like Instagram live stream and a Twitch screen, uh, stream. And I called it Neo social Dist- distancing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, everybody's talking about social distancing. I love Neo. soul. I'm calling it Neo social distancing and I'm just going live. I have whatever concoction I got, whether it be wine or whatever else people would hop on live with me. They would drink with me, make requests, whatever the case may be. And, um, but I'm still using Dex 3. (laughs) I'm still rigging it like crazy. But it was like the fact that I had access to this dude and he actually really legitimately knew how to DJ. I'm like, man, like I got people that's interested in what I'm doing. Like, man, just really show me the ropes. His name is Tone, by the way. Shout out to Tone. And he was the one that that taught me how to actually DJ. I, I went and purchased Serato and got the real software and just like, and I had more, I had time on my hands because there was no gigs happening. So I was able to spend a lot of time just practicing. And then, you know, summer 2022 was kind of my coming out party where I just showed up and I really was, was getting down a little bit. And, and now I'm just keeping it rolling. The, you got the little machine just in case. You like just in case. Just in case. that that machine's long gone, man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> one, one second, yo. One second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that machine's long gone, man. But it, but like funny. I said, still, it was just like, you know, I faked it till I made it in a sense. And I'm not saying that I'm a famous DJ, but it's definitely, you know, I got three residencies now. I'm DJing. Excuse me, like three, four times a week. And it's it's become what I do in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I faked it and acted like I knew what I was doing, but I was just clicking that button, man. <laughs> but now, input, but now input. I can get to it though. You know what I mean? I can get to it a little bit. Still got a long way to go, but but I could hold a gig down for sure. All right. So uh, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. Like um, I. In this day and age of like authenticity, where um, where it's like it's really good to like have those moments where like because people always have to think that like, you're like so perfect. So I really appreciate yeah. you sharing that because like everyone thinks like everyone who like makes it or like or this thing where like people you know 
they had the options. Yeah. For <laughs> or, sure. you know, it's just like the persistence of like failing, like getting yeah. back up, fall down seven, get up eight. You right. know, the Denzel line. And, you know, like it takes a, a, like a high level of vulnerability to like say that. So I appreciate yeah. you saying that, well, man. Well, honestly, it was like how it kind of worked out was like, and even still to this day, I kind of operate by this motto is I try to undersell and overperform. Mm. So like I was, I wasn't telling like venues, like, oh, I'm using this little janky system or whatever, but it was like, you know, like if I'm talking to other DJs, I'll be like, man, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not about to, like some people would inquire about gigs that I knew was just above what it was that I could do. But I, so I would turn them down. Because it's just, they heard me wherever they heard me at. And it was like, it sounded good. But I know in my heart of hearts that I'm not doing the real thing. So it was like, instead of going somewhere and then finding out like, oh, you're not really a DJ. You just, you was finessing. You was, you know what I mean? Finessing this whole time. Um, I just would like turn gigs down and just stick to the gigs that I know that I can use my little rig system and that that will work at. Um, but then, yeah, once the pandemic hit, you know, like yeah. I said, even on social media, when I was doing the Instagram lives, like I would get a bunch of people to come into the lives, but all I had to do was click that little button and they never <laughs> knew it. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but it inspired me. It's like, man, if I can get all these people to be interested in what it is that I'm doing and the music that I'm playing, like, let me try to take it up a notch and try to do the real thing. So, you know, I, I just sat and took those couple of years to really like, cause you know, Instagram start catching on all the copyright laws and stuff start coming in. They start turn shutting my lives off. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm going on Twitch, but it ain't the same. I got my followers are all on IG. Everybody not transitioning over to Twitch. So let me just sit down and practice, man. And really just kind of, you know, get my chops up a little bit. And like I said, it was kind of like a coming out party for me and, summer of 2022 and i've just been keeping it rolling ever since all right yeah. I, I think that takes a lot of humility too to be able to say like nah i need to practice mm-hmm. yeah. and, and instead of like oh absolutely i can go show out which you probably could have but on the flip side of it is like i want to work on this craft so well that when i do show out oh yeah you you gonna know right right and and yeah. so i think it, it takes a lot of humility but like nah i'm gonna let someone else take that for we, sure um so i respect that that's dope man that's it so let's 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 do a pivot let's talk about something let's talk about something that it really didn't take that much practice for you yeah it's just something you're born with your activism now what really caught my attention is your connection and your involvement with street roots and i feel like a lot of people really don't know what that is and you know um even though a lot of people when they look at me they're like you're not from here Sometimes I'm like, you right, because I just got that Bay Area in me because, yeah. you know, my folks, my family's from the Bay Area. Right. Um, but even still, a lot of people don't know the benefits, what Street Roots actually do, does and performs for our city. So yeah. I'm just curious. Can you please just elaborate? Tell people what Street Roots are, like for how sure. they can get involved. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, obviously I mentioned I'm a journalist. And so um, to just first off talk about what Street Roots is as 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 an organization. Um, We publish a weekly newspaper um, and it's a low income opportunity Mm -hmm. for people that are unhoused to be able to earn an honest income. So um, a lot of the the coverage is more, um, you know, social justice type coverage. Um, 
again, although there are a lot of people that are unhoused that sell the paper, one thing that we try to really like steer away from is that we've kind of became known as like the homeless paper, if you will. But we're not that, um, you know, for, for one, it's not just for homeless people to sell. Like there's, other people that are housed that sell the paper that may have, you know, other social issues or, or you know, whether it be mental health or their inability. Some of it could be a, a criminal background. Um, you know, we're a low barrier income opportunity for anybody. So, like, if y'all wanted to go pull up at Street Roots tomorrow and go through orientation, we're not going to do a background check and we're not going to turn you away. You know what I'm saying? Um, but a lot of people kind of put that stigma on us that, oh, yeah, that's the homeless paper. Um, but really, you know, we're just trying to help people earn an income. But our our contents within the paper is super, super dope. Um, again, a lot of it more, more primarily social justice based, not just housing based. Um, and so for me, man, I you know, I started off doing just sports radio. But at the same time that I was doing sports radio, um, I was doing my podcast, which I actually started like a month or two before sports radio. And so my podcast was more of an intersectional podcast that was inspired by a course that I took in college that was called sports and politics. So like all the topics that we covered in this course um, was just like intersectional uh, topics. So it would be like, and this was at the time when like Kaepernick, the Kaepernick stuff was just beginning. Um, We had, you know, we, we had a section where we studied like, you know, how sports intersect with like religion and Muslims and like people wearing hijabs, wearing sports, obviously like sexual misconduct in sports, race in sports, like all of these different elements, these like political elements that are like on the edges of sport that intersect with it. So that inspired me to start a podcast called Wake Up and Win. Obviously, you know, the woke part you know we 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 know yes go follow subscribe do your thing wake up and win podcast it's in the description that's right that's right um so you know i'm doing that but i'm at the time i still don't really have that much of like a political backbone Mm. but i was able to connect with people that did and so at the time it was more so when i started the podcast i was doing interviews with people that covered these more so like intersectional topics or were activists in their own right when it came to these intersectional topics with, with sports and politics. Um, and then that helped me ended up landing a radio show on seven fifty the game. And then, you know, I did that for about six months. I get laid off. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt like I was at the top of the mountain and then I took a nosedive and, and got laid off. So from there, it was like I had to pivot. And I knew I would always be able to, like, find my way in sports. I'm a former athlete. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I felt like I was good, and, and I had a lot of people um, around me that encouraged me to kind of keep going in the sports broadcasting space, so I still do that. Um, but I was like, man, I'm doing this podcast, which is now really all I got, yeah. and it's an intersectional podcast. How do I take it to the next level where rather instead of me just interviewing people that's doing this kind of political activism work that has also a sports background. How do I start to get myself involved in the politics and start to kind of build my own, um, you know, kind of activist muscle, if you will. And so, you know, I ended up connecting with street roots. I started off as just a freelance reporter 
as Street Roots. And so I would write stories about that intersection of sports and politics because I was a journalist. Um, and then a position came open to be the coordinator of the vendor program. The vendors are the people that sell the newspaper. And so I was jobless at the time. I was enjoying what I was doing as a writer for the organization, but I wanted to take it up a notch and do more than just write about it and cover it. And so as a vendor program coordinator, I was, I ended up getting hired and I was able to start like kind of just, it was almost like I was shadowing our executive director who kind of like leads the charge when it comes to the activism that we do and, and the advocacy, especially that we do within the organization. Um, and then from there, I went from coordinator to manager and then from manager to now vendor program director. So now I lead along with our executive director still. We kind of like, we kind of steer the advocacy element of the organization and really kind of lead the charge and, and get involved in doing a lot of the political advocacy, especially for people that are unhoused. And obviously, you know, we get our vendors involved in a real way in that as well. And with me being a director over that program, um, it's just been, I mean, it's always something to advocate for when it comes to houselessness in this market. So now, you know, I feel like I got a little bit more of a, of a political backbone, but still was doing the sports broadcasting and Mm. the live in game broadcasting, still doing my podcast, obviously. So now I don't do as many interviews no more because I have enough contents to talk about week to week about stuff that I'm actually like in the field doing Yeah, more so than having to interview other people about what they're in the field doing. So it's just kind of how it's worked out. Mm. So you've almost done like a complete flip to instead of interviewing the people that are on the ground working, you are now on the ground working. Right. And they interviewing you. I'm getting interviewed very often. So it's it's, it's like this complete 100 percent switch. But I, I think it goes to show also about your work ethic and your mindset. For sure. Of of in this battle of politics, like you talked about this, this, this motivation and this hunger to you know, stay hungry in this aspect. And I think it's, it's big, especially in Portland with houselessness. Um, someone has to advocate, someone has to speak on it. Somebody has to talk about the things and the, the, the disenfranchisement and all the, all the things that's going on in the community. So it's like, I think it's, it's, it's huge. Street roots is doing amazing work. Definitely. Man. Congratulations on that. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, obviously, houselessness, especially as you mentioned in this market, is a real touchy subject. Uh, I mean, you even look at, you know, it was just an article like last week in the New, New York, York Times mm-hmm. about homelessness and, and, you know, just, you know, the drugs that are happening out in the streets and addiction and obviously, you know, the, the, the destruction, whether it be, you know, people getting their windows busted or just the aesthetic because it's not pretty out there you know what i'm saying like as somebody that's in the field every day like i'm not gonna sit here and act like it's pretty um but at the same time like sometimes you you need to get exposed to the fact that it isn't pretty to be able to understand why it is that we need to make particular changes instead of like kicking the can down the road just so the wind can blow it right back like how do we come up with real solutions to kind of just, you know, minimize this this crisis that we have out here right now, which is homelessness. Now, yeah, I really appreciate you saying this because, you know, if uh, our other co-host was here, his name is Koss. 
Um, we kind of talk about that uh, a lot here and like, you know, we joke and, you know, and all and have our like rhymes and reasons. But I think the last time we were kind of talking about it, we were, we were talking about, um, how I think they rescinded a, I think it was a potential, a law that was going to go on the ballot for uh, more like passing out more like harm reduction yeah. type of, um, options. And like, we were like making jokes, but like, I like to have that, have the joke be more serious, where it's like we're to the point where we need a sustainable system where Definitely. like it is something where like in my in my humble honest opinion I think we can't even do harm reduction tools until we have like a staple a staple system where right. we know where we're gonna put the houseless people where it's like yes yeah, the aesthetics but like where are these people going to go because we're leaving a lot of things up because I, in my opinion, I just feel like harm harm reduction tools are just like extra aesthetics to something that's already working for sure to give people other options. Like we're giving people options four, five, and six without one, two, and three. Right, 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 right. So right. like <laughs> anyone who like like you know you know I love my brother to death and like you know he's very like for the people unions all these things where it's kind of like how can we be sometimes mad at people who are in the middle class who are like, I don't want, you know, houses, people outside in front of my house. Right. I'm to the point where I'm like, are you going to invite that person living your house? Like, yeah, you can get like, it's like, we're like, we're so far from the point from the original point of how do we help these people? And it goes back to our elected officials who we put in the office. Definitely. What's the most sustainable thing for all people? Right. So yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, in my humble opinion, I'm a housing first advocate. Oh, Um, big time. You know, but obviously I do understand stuff's not going to happen overnight, but obviously that's why, like, I I, I do have a lot of people that's like, man, you're going to be a a politician or an elected official one day. And I'm like, nah, I'm not really kind of leaning into that calling. Mm. And maybe I will be. I'm not a never, I'm a never say never type of guy, but like currently, like I'm all in with the advocacy aspect because mm. it allows me to kind of push these politicians in ways in these elected officials in ways that, you know, are are a little bit more structured because, um, you know, there's that there, for one, there's systemic flaws. Oh. So so dealing with systemic flaws, I mean, even an example of that, like, you know, we're always told, like, if we want to get involved, get involved in local politics then like go to the the hearings, go to the 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 sessions that they're at the count, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the the town halls and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And even those are flawed in a lot of ways. And oftentimes it's like more so a thing that the elected officials have to do. But I've even seen instances where like because we do advocacy work at Street Roots, we caught wind that there um, was a city council session happening, and we wanted folks to go testify at this session, mm-hmm. and so. We got like 20 vendors signed up first, right? But it ended up being like 200 people that ultimately signed up. Well, behind the scenes, some of the elected officials that had particular interests went and told, you know, the, the, the clerk or whatever who was going through who would speak in the order folks would speak in and kind of like shifted a bunch of our people to like the back of the list so that the businessmen or the business people that he more so had interest in and, and support it would be able to kind of testify first. Obviously people not stand for all eight hours of these testimonials. So it'll make it seem like, 
oh, these business people are the ones that are kind of speaking for what the post of the city in or what the post of the city is. But in all actuality, they made it to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Cause these were not the people that signed up and that was not the order that people signed up. So it's stuff like that. That's a turnoff. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I see this kind of stuff happening, you know, doing my advocacy work and it's like, damn, like now I don't even trust that. You know what I'm saying? But this is what we're told to go do. But this is the kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes. And, and, go ahead. And this is why corporations are people. And this is why my way to Super Mario to really help my community and build my own peace is to be a well-oiled machine business where, like, if my – it's almost kind of like you got to look like this. If I'm in and out and I'm like, you know what, we got to get these streets fixed or yeah. we pulling up out of here. I have power. I'm to the point where I agree with you so much where I'm just like things that you're saying. Cause like, I'm thinking about me. If I wanted to take the elected rope route, cause I'm very right. like get the job done for all people and things like that. For sure. And I'm like, man, I don't think I'll last as a mayor because once I know all the secret stuff, I'm going to Instagram live being like, yeah. guess what? There's aliens. And it's <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> no, and it's crazy because at, at this particular session that was happening, Again, we got our ties in yeah. city council as well. So at the time, Commissioner Hardesty was on the council. Hey. So we texting her staff, letting them know, like, yo, this isn't the order that folks signed up in. Yeah. So then Commissioner Hardesty gets the text while, while she's at the podium, and she calls it out, and all the other council members are, like, looking stupid. No and then the clerk is like, well, yes, I was told to change the order. Of the testimonies, of the testimonials, you know what I'm saying? So it's like when you kind of see that that's the kind of stuff that's happening and that's what's going on, it's like, damn, like that's that's discouraging, not only for, for the people that are unhoused, but anybody that wants to go up and testify because now it just feels like, it just feels performative more so yeah. than us like getting to an actual solution. So that's why I'm really like honed in on the advocacy piece because that's the kind of shit that's happening that I want to call out. I, and I, well, I think that's a huge, huge piece in which government continues to perpetuate in our society too is like how can you sell me a ticket? Yeah. And and it's like, yo, I'm not trying to sell you a ticket. I'm trying to speak on what's actually happening. No, 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 no. You need to sell me a ticket. How can you sell me this? Yeah. Allegedly, I just want to say this. I ain't, I'm saying allegedly twice because I don't want y'all be <laughs> fucking up my you know property taxes. You know what I'm saying? Allegedly, I saw a mayor at a pool party, you know, doing some things. Yeah, yeah, that that mayor. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, like I, said, they, I mean, for one day people. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? For one day absolutely. people, and that's part of the reason why. Like, even with that New York Times article that yeah. came out, right? It's like. Man, I saw so many people that were housed that were complaining about open air drugs, if you will. And that the fact that, you know, drugs or drugs are legal on the streets that I know do the same exact drugs in the crib in their but in their own four walls, yeah. as these people do out on the streets. Yeah. He has so much to say yep. about the drugs that people are doing on the streets. Like, yeah. but it's like, y'all, if you know what I mean, if anything ever comes down to y'all getting y'all door kicked in, like, y'all gonna lean into that measure too and say, oh, well, the drugs are legal because you don't wanna go to jail. You know what I'm saying? So yep. it's like, 
it's just a lot of stuff where it's you know I, even, even with the you know with the vandalism we use that as another example like you have a lot of businessmen that are like complaining about the vandalism and complaining about the fact that their windows are being shattered or whatever the case they may be but they're not seeing a change when it comes to homelessness in the city well maybe instead of complaining about the changes that aren't happening maybe you reach out to one of those people say you're a restaurant Reach out to one of those people that are on the streets and say, look, man, I'll feed you whatever I got left over at the end of the day. Sleep in my doorway. So that way, if anybody try to come here and vandalize the property, you own it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now your property not being vandalized. You got you're, security. You're helping somebody out. You know what I mean? From a humanitarian level. And it's not just you complaining about a situation that clearly is not getting fixed. Like the crisis is still here and in some ways it's still growing. So it's like, it's just a, it's just a a mentality thing. I feel like for a lot of people that's like so backwards where it's like, I'm not as worried about vandalism. If I know, you know, Joe from around the way is going to look out for my spot. Cause I take care of him. I scratch your back. You scratch mine. But it's like, Slim instead you just going to complain to the whoever, and then you're going to get your window busted right over again. Cause you're not connecting with this community that's out here that could potentially <laughs> help you from not having what you complaining about happen right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, it gets deep. It gets deep. I could talk about this all day. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, I think that's big. What you said is scratch my back. I scratch your back. Yeah. And we've lost that. We lost it. It's we, gone. we have lost, we have lost that sense of helping one another out. Even if it doesn't get something in return. For it's, sure. It's because I, I, I think Especially here in Portland, you see it a lot, and it's like I want to, I want mines, and it's like, yeah, you want yours, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it, and that's yeah. how people are right now. Is you want yours? Okay, you don't. I'll just take that. Man, and, I'm gonna tell y'all a story that I never told before. And again, obviously, you know, I'm a director. I work with a lot of these people that are unhoused and in the streets, and I've had some vendors even tell me like. Because, you know, we're giving them a low barrier income opportunity to be able to make some money. And I'm the director of said program. They like they like, man, you don't even know, like you're the most protected dude like in Portland. And I didn't really get what he was saying when he said this. Right. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, man, I'm telling you, you're the most he's like you putting you helping get money into people's pockets all out here on the streets like we'll do it all for you type situation right so going to this story i had a situation where i dealt with vandalism you know in in the downtown area and i had my car window busted and so i get my car window busted and what's the first thing you think everybody well let me report this to the police i call to go report it hey man i got my window busted they tell me I'll just go online, fill in a report, and that way it's on file. But we don't take, we don't have police show up to the scene. So it's like, damn, y'all basically just saying y'all not gonna investigate it, <laughs> y'all not gonna do nothing about it. Like, yeah. but in the case that you figure it out, like, at let least us, you got a report on file. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we could, you know, we got a case number for you, so on and so forth. Man, I, if y'all not gonna come help me now, like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But what I was able to do was to go to a business that had a camera right near where my car 
was was vandalized that my window was busted out got the tape from them went to the office max picked up a usb put it on the usb got the got the film got the footage and what you think i did i got all of these people that i already know on the streets i start going to hey you know this you know such and such you know the Oh yeah, that's that looks like so and so. That's so and so, and I end up being able to find out who the dude was mm. that broke into my vehicle. You know what I'm saying? And like, be able to approach him myself. I'm not gonna say you know what happened from there, but like, you know. But still, the fact that I basically did my own investigation, absolutely, because I had people on the streets that I was able to show them pictures, <laughs> and they led me right to the dude. You know what I'm saying? But it's like the police. Wasn't willing to help it. Like it's, I, I didn't. <laughs> so, so, so you the street roots, uh, Batman. <laughs> I, I figured it out. Let's just say that. You know what I'm saying? Like Vigilante. I figured it, I, I figured it out, but it was just like, I, and I, I didn't say that. I said that story just to say, like, people are willing to help you if you help them. Ultimately, like, and in my case. I could complain about my window being busted just like everybody else do, but a lot of people lean into. Oh, they need to go to jail. They're not going to jail for life for busting your window. No. But now they got a little, a more extensive criminal record, which is going to make it harder for them to get off the streets. And now you're going to deal with them Even busting more. your window again. <laughs> yeah. And it just becomes a repeated cycle. Yep. You know what I'm saying? All because you, you're not willing to just reach out to them or find out, man, how can I help? The, the people that I come into direct contact with instead of avoiding them or, or shitting on them or treating them like they're not human. And now you receiving the, the back end, which is obviously not so great. Like I said, I'm just using vandalism as an example, but it's like, it, it's just some, it's a, it's a backwards mentality for a lot of people out here. A lot of rappers talk about that, right? Like they, they, talk about the police and how if he was in the community, you would understand the community. And right. I think it goes back to what you're saying. Like people complain about the community so much, even when they're in the community, not realizing the people around you just need help. Like yeah. just help them. And you might get the reward of you just helping them. And you might see some difference in the community. That, and, and I think for me, uh, that's a huge thing that coming back to our community that I hate so much that we do is when we make it, we leave. Yeah. And I understand aspects of it, but for me it's a huge negative because you're taking away your ability to give people resources out of the community. So everyone left in that community is still going to struggle. So now you're not giving people opportunity. You've created more struggle even it's, though you've got an opportunity. It's crazy you say that because that's one of the biggest problems that I are like not problems but it's something that I deal with personally because I live here in Portland uh, you know you mentioned earlier I'm from the Bay Area yeah. and so I've been able to you know I'm not I'm I, far from where I want to be but like I've been able to do things in the community out here and like make way for myself in this community out here which I'm a thousand percent grateful for but always in the back of my mind it's like man but my nephews is back home. My sister, my family, my friends, the people I grew up with is back home. And, like, what ways can I, like, be able to help them or, or give back to them? And it's like I, I don't feel like I'm all the way there yet, but it's like ultimately that's what I want to be able to do is mm -hmm. to be able to give back to, to the people that's closest to me. But at the same time, it's like none of them, none of my people that I'm closest with, 
back home are doing what it is that I'm doing mm. out here. So you also got the other side of the game of like, what are the chances that I'll get caught up in what they're doing back Absolutely. home instead of me coming out here, starting to make way for myself, start to figure some things out and be able to put myself in a position to where when I do come back home, like I can, I can show the way rather than, me get caught up in whatever nonsense sometimes can be happening back home. That's so real. that's definitely been a challenge for me, bro, is trying to, like, figure out, like, when and how am I going to be able to really, really give back and make a difference to my hometown, you know, which I, I, I will always love because it made me who I am in so many ways. But but it's a hard thing to figure out because yeah, I also absolutely. felt like I needed to leave there because I saw the path that I was going down while I was out there and mm-hmm. I needed to kind of get out of it. So... It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I got a I got a tattoo on my my arm that it, it's a Western African ideology, and they, it's a, a a mantra. It's the Sankufa bird. It says, "Go forth and give back," and that's the mentality that I always carry myself with. Yeah. Um, because you you have to go forward in order to ab- actually be able to have something to give back. Right. And, and I think what you're saying is a perfect example of that. Like you had to step away to realize what you can see that I need to give back for sure. And so, um, like you said, it's just about timing, man. And it's about being able to have something that you can wholeheartedly be like, look, I need to give this. Right. Um, and this is how I can do that. And, and that's always been my thing. But for me, it's frustrating watching people who make it make, be successful and move off and never come back and watch their city struggle, watch their streets struggle. And, and and talk about how much they they I'm from this I'm from that right. but you're not helping this or that change. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. One of the best moments I had a, a couple weeks ago, um, I went back. You know, one of my good friends, his name is Jason Verrett. He and I went to high school together. He's an NFL veteran. Um, his family has like a foundation nonprofit, and every summer they put on this basketball tournament, and it's like a $15,000 cash prize for the winning team. And so like the whole Bay area comes out to this event. And so this year was the third year. And so I, he'll bring me back there and I like MC the tournament for him. Um, Cause obviously he knows what I'm doing professionally out here. And um, so I did it the first year. Then the second year I didn't do it. And then this year, like I said, a few weeks back, I went back home and I, I like MC yeah. the tournament form and it was it was lit for sure. It seemed like it was popping. In but there. one of the best feelings that I had was like, it's pretty much like I had a friend that that turned family. Um, his dad and my dad are real close. Um, like his dad is like an uncle to me, but me and him grew up playing with each other since Mighty Mites and Pop Warner, mm-hmm. all the way through high school. And his little brother is, you know, a middle schooler right now, but like a really good young athlete as a middle schooler. And so, you know, his pops, you know, just being not being funny, but also like this is just the kind of dude he is. He calls me my name's Devon. He calls me Debo. And and the young fella that I look at is really like my little cousin. You know what I'm saying? His name is Royce. (laughs) You know, his pops bragging about him and right in front of him. Like, yeah, D-Boy, Royce going to be better than all y'all was as athletes. Like, he on his way. Like, he nice football, baseball. Like, he getting to it. And it's like, that's dope to hear because that's the world that we come from. Yeah. And so I'm emceeing the tournament. Championship game is lit, going crazy. And... 
after the tournament is over, Unc, who was telling me about how dope Royce was going to be as an athlete, he calls me and he's like, man, D-Boy, Roy, we got home. And Royce said that he really, really liked and enjoyed your commentary. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it was so big to hear that because it's like what we are instilling is like Royce is going to be the next big thing out of the area as an athlete. But it's like what Royce don't understand is he uh, he's an injury away from never being able to be that athlete, but he can still, I'm 30 years old now and I can still stay that I've never been away from the game because now I'm just doing it. I'm around the game in a different different way. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But this is a, a, I'm in a space where like it's a majority white space when it comes to, you know, sports broadcasting and sports media, um, especially white male in particular. And it's like, I'm glad that I was able to inspire Royce in a different way from just being able to brag about what I used to be as an athlete. And maybe I inspire young Royce to one day be like, man, if anything ever happens and you know, the game don't work out for whatever reason, which could be really devastating and traumatizing to a lot of young black youth. Like I know that I could pursue this route of being a commentator I still get to be around and have access to the game in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and be around what I love. I'm just doing it away in a way that may not look like me being the star that's on the field or that's on the court, but I can still be highly involved in what it is that I love instead of having these expectations put on me and placed on me that for just to be real likely I'll never be able to reach like being Mm -hmm. able to go pro or whatever the case may be is like as hard as hitting the lotto. So for me, it felt good for me to know, like while pops bragging on how dope of a young athlete that you are in the seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever grade you in to know that I was able to inspire Royce with my commentary. Like maybe one day when he gets Mm -hmm. a little older and you know, the game goes, however the game goes, he'll be inspired to fall back into, well, maybe I can go be a journalist or a broadcaster, even though a lot of that's not what a lot of people that look like me do, but mm-hmm. I could be the one to do it. And so that that was big for me. That's dope. That's yeah. super dope. All right, all right. I, I like that. I really yeah, do. It was fire, man. Dang, it was that, fire. That's, <laughs> to inspire, to inspire the youth, that's very, that's very important. I see some of you need your nails done. Well, guess what? I have a place. Stop by a place called Capital Nails off Barber Boulevard, 10075 Southwest Barber Boulevard, number 6A. That will not only help you get your nails done, but help you look right for the weekend. If you stop by, make sure you say, I'm ready to play no games. Give you that sponsor shout out, a little promotion, a little discount. It's a family-owned business and operated for two generations of women over 20 years. It's a great for any occasion, down-to-earth staff, and a top-tier customer service and brag-worthy skills. Come catch a vibe and be slept off your feet because, dang it, they get your feet looking good. Make sure you check out Capital Nails. Description's in the bio, location's in the bio. Check them out. You know, I'm so glad that you um, said that because I feel like you know, you're a podcaster, so you kind of know. Yeah, you get you get the beginning, middle, end vibe. I, I like that. So For to sure. start a new story, I'm gonna have to just say this out right. Are the new media, as you know, Draymond would say, ah, <laughs> or are you old media, <laughs> like Stephen A? Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm in between. Oh, okay, mm. 
I feel like I'm 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 media. For one, I do like to I refer to myself as a journalist. Mm. Um, I think there's flaws in the old media, and I think there's flaws in the new media. Mm. Mm. And I think they actually kind. I think it's great to have both because they balance each other out. And what I mean by that is, is like the new media. So let's just use the the Draymond example and the fact that like every NBA player has a podcast today now, oh, right? Man. For one, I do think that it's super dope to be able to hear the perspectives of people that are like in the field. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what I spoke to when it came to like the advocacy part where I'm a journalist. But now that I'm in the field and I'm doing more advocacy in some ways, like I can cover what it is that I'm like actively involved in in a way that's a little bit more intimate than me just asking somebody questions and getting answers from them. Um, So I respect that side of it, but there is also a part of it where it's like the, the NBA is a fraternity. Mm. So we're not going to always get the real from Draymond and there's certain questions or topics that's going to be avoided from mm-hmm. these athletes because they're not going to they out each other. They're not going to mess their money up. Exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? They're not going to mess their money up. They're not going to out each other or any of those things where you need somebody like a Stephen A. Smith or somebody that's a journalist yeah. that are going to ask the part questions or that are going to ask the unpopular questions or give the unpopular opinions mm-hmm. to give that balance where we can get a legitimate reaction from these people that are the subject, but that are also now media that they won't touch at all in their own way. So for me, you know, I like to say I'm just media, but again, there's also flaws in the old media as well, where Stephen A, I feel like to use him as an example, since you use him as the example of old media, I personally feel like Stephen A is at an interesting crossroads right now Mm. because Stephen A has for a long time had to adapt to an industry that doesn't particularly look like him or identify with him. Interesting. And so for with that, he's been able to make it so far mm. in the media space adapting to their ways. And he's often tried to tell the people that he does identify with well, this is how I got here by doing things this particular way because this is sort of the way of the industry. So you either get with it or good luck. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like because we do now have the influence of the new media, everybody has a platform now. That old way of doing things and what the media used to look like that Stephen A sort of adapted to that led to him being as successful as he is now it's kind of dated. So he's almost trying to like backtrack in a way to where it's like Stephen A's just now doing a podcast. I've been doing a podcast for five, six years. Ain't no way Stephen A shouldn't have been doing one for five, six years, but he just launched one a couple months ago. But I think it's because he's seeing the way that the landscape of media at large is changing. And so now he's almost playing catch up in a way Mm -hmm. and it's, making it to where a lot of his stances that have all been on camera because he's on TV every day are starting to contradict Hmm. what it is that he's now trying to pursue and attempt. So he's kind of being criticized in ways that he feels like he shouldn't be, but it's because you, you, 
You took the route that they would want you to take. You were willing to play by their rules. And now that the rules are changing and the landscape is changing, you're trying to figure out how do I backtrack from some of the things that led me to where I am today? Which days you talking about, you know, because we got to be careful. Well, we don't only get Jamie Foxx, okay? Which days? Which days, yeah. When I when you say they, like as far as I'm just joking around. No, no, no. I mean, I guess, I guess when I say they, I mean, I mean more so like the the majority. When I say they, I'm more so speaking about the industry itself and the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, it it's a predominantly white industry. Yeah, absolutely. And so Stephen mm. A. has had to adapt to a predominantly white industry in in a way that, in some cases, may make him look like a sellout. Now mm-hmm. that that predominantly white industry is being challenged in new ways, and so now he's got to backtrack from some of that stuff that led him to be able to have success in that predominantly white white industry because the industry is starting to diversify in a lot of ways. Do you feel when it comes to media, selling out happens quickly? Um, to be in, in in that industry or now it's changed where people are just able to just be I think so, I, I still think selling out happens on both sides of the field like I've said with in a way like to me that's selling out too the fact that you know as somebody who and myself is more of a traditionally trained journalist like if we're not getting to the bottom of a situation mm. which is the point of like being like an investigative journalist mm. if you will because of this fraternity or whatever it is that you're trying to protect like that's selling out to me as well from mm. my from the, the what I identify as as a journalist yeah you know what i'm saying so it's like it's it, both sides i think sell out and that's also a reason why i i operate under the belief of there is no you know how they say like journalism isn't supposed to be biased mm-hmm. i operate under the belief there there is no such thing as unbiased journalism mm-hmm. and i was able to just speak to how both sides can be biased in their own ways even though they're competing against each other trying to prove which one is actually not yeah. being biased. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But y'all are both being biased. <laughs> no, so that's why that's I don't real. lean into either one of them. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, yeah, I, I don't operate that way. With The new media has its flaws too, just like mm-hmm. the old media has had its flaws, but they're competing against each other, but they both still got their own flaws. I'm so glad you said this because, you know, from time to time on the show, we become a sports podcast, and I think I have the greatest sports takes of all time. <laughs> and I'm just saying this. But I've always run with the, like, monitor of, like, we're all hypocrites. Like, we will For eventually sure. all contradict ourselves. So, I would rather tell you I'm going to be a hypocrite. Definitely. But, you know what? I'm about to test I'm about to test you, journalist. Mr. Journalist. Talk to me. So, you get a LeBron interview. Right. And I'm talking about full LeBron interview. Uh, we just did some quick fact-checking about your takes on sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is false. Okay. <laughs> we, we actually have a fact-checker. Okay. So, uh, you know, they'll, from time to time, you know, check us on the fact, make sure that, we you know, we're staying within bounds. So if I go too wild, you know, I say this is my opinion. Yeah. And then, you know, if I say something off, they give me with the facts. But all facts, you know. I'm the greatest of all time. But anyway. I'm here for whatever, man. So, <laughs> so, so you get a LeBron interview, right? Yeah. And you, no softball questions. You get down to the straight journalism. What question do you know we all want to ask him that you would ask him? That I would ask LeBron? Yes. Um, It definitely wouldn't be a GOAT question. 
Um, for me, I would probably more so dig into. So LeBron has had this image of being like clean slated. Mm. I don't think no human or no individual has that clean of a slate. Oh, he a journalist. So, so for me, I would ask LeBron like, as let's let's get human here. Like, what has been, and it doesn't even have to be something that you've actually done that's dirty, but like. What's a temptation or something that you fight against that goes against this narrative that LeBron mm. is just a perfect guy because he kind of gets viewed as like the perfect yeah. athlete. And so, like question. I said, it's not just like what act. I don't, I don't even particularly need you to tell on yourself, but it's like, come on, man. Like we all got our, fl- like, you all know right. what I mean? Like what, what's something, what's a temptation that you have to fight against that goes against the stigma of LeBron being the perfect Human, as well as an athlete. ESPN, y'all, 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 flame oh, people off. Y'all, I, I found a per. I'm a tune in. Skip, you be somebody next to you. Yeah. Right? I, yes, I was, sir. I was really testing you. Yeah. I'll just say this, and they know this, and I know you about to say something. They know this. We're like, I know KD. KD's one of my favorite players, but I already know he do suck a shit. So right. my thing is like, I'm not. A blind follower. I'm just like, come on, Katie. I wish you would yeah. have done something different. Right. And like, you know, I would say that stuff to his face. Like, I would never compromise. There's stuff I've said about, like, I think Linda should be doing this. If I met with him across the way, to keep it, the G, I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. To your face. For sure. For <laughs> and sure. I respect the shit. Because I was going to say, is he a journalist? Journalist? Because Draymond would never ask him that question. He wouldn't. But that's the point that I'm getting at yeah. about the fraternity. Yeah. Even another thing that I was very critical of Draymond about. Draymond, you got the number one sports podcast in the world. How long did it take for him to say anything about him in the Jordan Poole incident? He stopped the whole podcast and just avoided it. I understand why. It's a lot of money at stake. It's business at stake. It's the fraternity at stake. I understand why, but for me as a a traditionally trained journalist, I don't respect it. Because I identify with being a journalist in that way where we can get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. We still, he still tiptoes around that subject in, in, in a I, lot of ways. I think he always will. I agree. And I understand why. But at the same time, that's one of the flaws that I speak of. And that's one of the yeah. biases yeah. that I speak of when it's Absolutely. like both sides are flawed, in my opinion. And that's okay. Yeah. I, again, I I'm, I'm have my biases. Like, I'm not knocking either side for yeah. it, but it's like you're clearly going to have bias if you're old media and 81, 80% of the people identify as the same, usually white male. Mm. Like, there's going to be biases that come with <laughs> yeah. coverage, mainstream yeah. coverage, yeah. when everybody identifies as the same or the majority identifies as the same. And the same goes for the NBA. It's a 75% black league. Like we're going to get their perspectives from their lens and they're doing it because they're rebuttaling against somebody that identifies as opposite as them, Mm -hmm. but they're falling into the same traps and flaws that the people that they're rebuttaling and that they don't identify with have fell into in this space. That's crazy. That's so, that's such like such crazy information even like begin to think about but it's it's real it's real it's real (laughs) it's almost it's almost in the light of i would watch a 40 for 40 um 30 for 30 
Thank you. Sorry. I, I was having, I, I'm not, look, I was having a brain fart. I was, I, as soon as it came out of my mind, I was like, that's wrong. I would have a 30th life with, for, with Mark Jackson because mm. I'll just say this. Even though, rumorly, I, we know what he said, but hey, we ain't getting canceled by the days. Anywho, all I'm just saying is I would love to know how he's feeling and how he truly feels going from coaching arguably one of the, you know, arguably one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah. Saying Steph and Clay was going to be this, and then they did it, and then getting his job taken by Steve Kerr and still not getting picked up by the NBA. Yeah. I would love for someone to have, like, a real mm. conversation with him because I know he has so much to set. Yeah. And those are the stories that will never come to light and that are in the fraternity. It's in the fraternity. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's again, I, I get it. <laughs> As somebody that, you know, I, I played college ball, which, you know, is – it's an achievement in itself. Yeah. Most people don't get to make it that far Man. to be able to play NCAA Man. basketball. You know what I'm saying? And there's certain things. It's like locker room talk. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like there's certain things that's not supposed to leave the locker room. Man. So it's certain things that's still Man. happening in the locker room that they'll never talk about on their podcast. The, these athletes that now have podcasts. You know what I'm saying? And I get it because I know what it's like to be in a locker room yeah. and, and how that works. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> And it, a locker room is, is sacred in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? But that's there's a bias in that still. And that has to be acknowledged, I believe. And I think I think a podcast who does who gets pretty close is all the smoke podcast. They get pretty close they to do. those those tough conversations and I agree. And, and those but they I think they are sliding more into that fraternity aspect of what you're talking about in in trying to save grace on certain people only putting out certain things or not the whole thing for people to hear be um which is it's pretty interesting to as you talk about that and and open up that that whole i i I never dove completely into it i knew there's always like perspective and bias when it comes to people anyway um so that's always gonna play a factor when it comes to conversation as a whole so yeah. yeah, I just think it's an industry that will never be unbiased. But we're always told like journalism is supposed to be just that, it's, and it's just I I don't I don't operate by that, which is why I'm able to take, even though like I said I'm traditionally trained, I still take sort of a non-traditional route yeah. in this space because I've learned that you know there's still ethics, of course, oh, but, like, but like I don't have to operate the old way or the new way. Because, mm. again, it's all flawed. It all has its own biases. So I operate in the way that I feel most comfortable. And I'll, I'll admit and lean into the fact that I can be a biased journalism at, a journalist at times before somebody else has to call it out like I, in a way, just called out the new mm. media, I guess. <laughs> and old, <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> I, Everybody else. You know, you've gained a strong follower. I cannot. <laughs> you know, like, like, okay, y'all gonna roast me for this. Y'all gonna roast me for this. But this is why sometimes hate him or love him. You gotta love Skip Bayless. He knows his fucking role. He's the, the out of bounds. LeBron James is like, look here, man. That's his family. Leave him alone. Like, but he'll he'll go there. But see, he'll go far. He'll, he'll go, go too far. far. He'll, he'll go, go too, too far. far. But that's a person who he, he just knows he's a heel. But see, I would respect Skip more if he just said it. Said it. I said go too, it. Yeah, I go too far, and 
You know what I'm saying? He'll just dig his heels deeper and deeper and deeper and going too far and making it seem like, oh, I'm right and you're wrong rather than this is just how I feel, man. Mm -hmm. And like, hate it, love it, whatever the case may be. Like, I'll communicate it, but he won't admit that, like, there can be a bias in that, whatever that bias may be, whether it's your Michael Jordan bias, whether, it, you know what I mean, I'm whether Brady. it's, you know, you know, all, you know what, you, what you identify as, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I feel like he don't acknowledge that enough, so he digs his heels in so deep without acknowledging, well, like, yeah, this is how I feel because of X, Y, and Z. I think it's a societal fear, fear of not being able to go back on your word of saying something. Mm. And it's like this apology yeah. factor. Like we want to like say something and then be able to be like, oh, I apologize for this. Right. And I think it, it, it shows prevalence huge in media to where people just they don't speak their their full mind. They speak part of it. Yeah. And so you get a gist of what I'm saying, but you don't get the full aspect of how I actually wanted to say this. Yeah. And and so I think like y'all talking about Skip and I, that's where he is. He, he's like, let me push the line, but I want to be able to I can backpedal and, and apologize or, or say this or. And no, I really appreciate that you brought that up. And like it's you got to We got to go into like early like childhood. Like I don't have kids, but it's almost kind of like in the sense of like when people like talk about like we're talking about community. We're talking about role modeling. I feel like a lot more people learn from what you're doing rather than what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it's almost kind of like, if you see, if you see your parents or you see someone you look up to, you'd be like, you know what? I blew that layup. If Ben Simmons was to say like, yeah, man, I got mental health problems or James Harden be like, you know what? I'm at the club every, every fucking night. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it would just, people would be like, I appreciate that authenticity of yeah. you being yourself. Or like, I think, uh, I uh, I think PG. I don't like his podcast. I'll say that. <laughs> Look here, it's trash. But he podcast said, P, huh? <laughs> "Whoa, that name's got to change too." <laughs> he said one gold nugget, and I got it from like a clip on Instagram. But he was talking about how he, when he went to the Clippers, he had to figure out that you he, you can't win a championship with just me. And I respected the stuff out of that. Where I'm kind of like, why don't you just say, "I'm not that person. I'm not that guy." But in my um, Roll two guy. If I'm the number two, we got this. We got, yeah. we got this. Yeah. I respect that. So that's, I oh, love this conversation. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, like I said, man, I just, I don't know, man. I don't fall into it, man. Like, I, I again, I, if I had to say who I in, identify more with, yeah, it would probably be a Draymond. Mm. I'm a black man. He a black man. I play ball. He plays ball. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get a lot of his sentiments. I understand them. But at the same time, like, I also understand the other side of the game and like I'm I'm always about wanting to know more and learn more. I like Draymond as a podcaster. I don't particularly <laughs> like Draymond's podcast. Mm. Not because like not because he's not a good podcaster, but because what I really want him to tell me, he's never going to tell me. Yeah. He's never yeah. going to tell me the ins and outs of uh, I want to know about what's happening, especially as somebody that's from the Bay and rocks with the Warriors. Like, I want to know what's really going going on with the Warriors. Instead, you're going to tell me about every other team in the league. And I can watch you play and know that you're a brilliant basketball mom. Mm. So what you tell me about every other team in the league, I'm willing to listen to that because, again, just for me watching you play, but I personally am more interested in your team and mm -hmm. what's happening in your <laughs> locker room 
and what's <laughs> your strategy. But I also understand you can't tell me that. You know what I'm saying? Because you have other interests that supersede this podcast that you have to protect. And I understand that part of it too, but it doesn't feed me the way that I want to be fed personally. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. that. That's that's just how I feel. <sighs> that's no, that's just how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Because I care about your team more than I care about what you what your take is on every other team in the league, but I'm never going to get the in-depth truth about your team. And I understand why, but still doesn't work for me, particularly as a consumer. Ooh. Well, I'm a, that's, we that's, gonna, and that's my choice to make, baby. <laughs> we might, we got, might, we might have to have you on a mid-season during the season because. Oh yeah, man, uh, we can do we this got, anytime, bro. <laughs> say, it's, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Please, please, we yeah, yeah. we can do this anytime. Oh, man. I, you could tell I just have fun with yeah. it. I just like to kick yeah, it and no, talk absolutely. about it. Ooh. Yeah. It's it's big, especially your your mind. Your mind is uh, especially the journalist aspect, the basketball aspect, just how you attach it so much to just the game and like you said you you throw it all across in all aspects it's, it's and that's it's, it's and that's real. why i even love what i do as a broadcaster like i get to take care of my own personal needs in mm. so many different ways at portland state i'm an analyst mm -hmm. so i'm doing color which means that i get to tell more of my opinion about the game, but I also played the game. I played college basketball, so I feel like I, in a lot of ways, have a right to have an opinion about it the same way a lot of these athletes feel like they have a right to have an opinion about a game that they were once a part of. Speak on speak on that, because I think yeah. we have a lot of broadcasters who ain't never played the game yeah, and try and speak on a game like they've played the game right. and don't know really know the ins and outs. For sure. No, like I said, it, you know, in that case, you know, I feel more comfortable being an analyst being that I played college basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel more comfortable being a college basketball analyst or any level at that matter, because I know I'm in a very small percentage of people that Absolutely. actually played at the level that I was even able to play at. Obviously there's even levels above that. Um, but then at the same time, I went to school for journalism. I went to school for general media. So at Pacific, I do play by play. And I'm not the analyst at Pacific, but it's cool because I get to kind of be more like straight up and down. Don't get me wrong. I still got my sauce and I'm able to throw in, you know, my opinions here and there, but not nearly. That's not what you coming to me for as a play by play voice as you are as when I'm being an analyst on the call. So it's like I get to kind of feed more of that like traditionally trained journalist that went through the the rigorous academic part of that of, of being a journalist as well and i can just kind of be as straight up and down and as buttoned up as i want to be mm, as yeah. a play-by-play -play voice yeah. so it's cool because i get to work kind of both muscles you know in, in two different ways at, at the respective schools so um but yeah no i think you know there is a lot of people that don't know much about the game that have an opinion about the game which is great because I think it just shows how interested people are in the game, mm -hmm. which in turn will ultimately probably be better for the economics of the game. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't knock people that don't play the game or haven't played the game that has an opinion or a take about the game. I invite all to have an opinion or have a take about the game 
But you just might end up crossing paths with somebody <laughs> that know a little more about yeah. it and how you gonna handle it when yeah. it, when they, when yeah. that pressure is on. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of those people tend to fold when they get put in certain rooms that ain't just you being behind a keyboard and posting some shit on Twitter on your social media. It's yep. like now, nah, now, now face it. Now you got yep. such and such right in front of you. You know what I mean? Can you handle it now? Yeah. And that's when you get to see a lot of people's true colors, and they're not really able to handle it or what it is they say on social media or on Twitter. They're not willing to say in somebody's presence in real life that actually got experience doing this shit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Bang! <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Mama, <laughs> there goes that man. For sure. So it's like, you know, like, yeah, a lot of people are bold in, in places that they can be bold. But when they get in the rooms that, all right, be bold in such and such's face who you've been talking shit about and name calling. Alabama. All, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've been name calling this dude, talking about how trash this dude is and all of that. And it's like. You you fucked around and got yourself in the same room as him. Are you going to keep that same energy? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, then I, I sort of kind of lose respect for whatever your take is, whether I agree with it or not. Well, I'll keep it a band. Russell Westbrook, you cost me some money and you cost <laughs> Katie some championships. And I'll tell you that to your face. If you, te- if you tell him that to his face, respectfully, I, I have no problem with you having a take. Now, but if you're not willing to tell, if you're willing to say that on this podcast, but you're not willing to say that to Russ face to face, then that's when I have more of a problem. I, I've been a Thunder fan for a while, so I, I think I've earned my stripes to be like, look here, man. <laughs> I get it, but I will say this: I don't condone them. Talking about your wife and your kids. For sure. But I, I'm gonna talk For about sure. I'm gonna talk about some of the wild plays. I'll yeah. tell you about that. But Young Russ. Yo, yeah, young Russ, we I'm not gonna say James Harden holders, but Kendra Perkins, he needs to come off the that that's that <laughs> that Thunder series is a different Big Perk. Oh yeah, Big Perk calls us and them refs, but that's all I'm gonna say in that Heat Thunder series. I remember right. that. I broke a lamp. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot to say about that series. I feel it. Man, man. So as we uh we turn the page, man, this is something that we definitely got to continue to do, something we got to continue to have. Um, let the people know as we, we wrap up, let the people know how they can get a hold of you, see you, pull up, what days you, you DJing. And yeah. Man, you, got you know, you in a whole pre- lot, pre- pavilion. <laughs> I got you, know. you know. I got you. Know. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know? Yeah, no, nah, man. Hey, he be in the streets. He outside. I do be outside. Hey, I'll man. Be outside. You know, be out- I'm usually working. Streets. I'm usually street working roof. when I'm outside, though. But I'm outside. <laughs> outside is you know, it's money in the streets, and it man. can't be ignored. Absolutely. But um, Ooh, with that said, yeah, that's that bad game right there, man. That's, <laughs> I, we ain't even take it there today. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, you can follow me on the socials. Uh, my name is Devon Pouncey. My my at is Pounce underscore Sation. Um, I'm always usually more so posting on like my stories, wherever it is I'm going to be, whether it's DJ gigs, you can check the stories for that. Um, I, I post those all the time. Um, obviously, if it's a, a game coming up or I'm in season, I post, you know, when the broadcast will be based on whatever the game schedule is, um, how you can watch it. You know, if it's Portland State, 
subscribe to ESPN Plus. You can hear me on the call there. If it's specific, they do more of a live stream. Um, we might be doing more TV actually for Pacific this Let's year. Go. But, um, so we, we're figuring that piece out yeah. though. It was kind of had a little bit of a hiccup. Um, I'll just say it like we had a partnership with Coin Six mm. that was supposed to be starting for football season for like the home games, but no fault of ours or even theirs. They just got like a new national TV deal. It was a local partnership, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. They got a new national TV deal with the ACC. So oh, wow. I don't know how that's going to impact us being able to oh, wow. do that's what. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes with the territory of it. But oh, you can, can still check out the live stream on Go boxers.com and stuff like that um so yeah i'm always posting whatever the, the upcoming gig or engagement is my podcast wake up and win with devon pouncey you can subscribe to it yeah i try to i try to drop weekly but honestly sometimes i'll be so busy that i just may not be able to get to it but usually it's weekly i have an episode out this week for sure um so yeah go subscribe check it out um and yeah i appreciate y'all for having me man it's been nothing but a blessing. You got something to say? Uh, I'll just say, and then I'll, I'll let you take care of it. But no, I really appreciate it. Nah, man, we got to. You are a wealth of knowledge. You're, you're, you're funny. You got, you got your. Yeah, you I got five, my ways about me. You, know you got five, six years of the game. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I feel it. it. I feel it. You know what I mean? I put a lot of hours in. So I sure. want to say thank you. I really appreciate man, it. Thank y'all for having me, for real. Man, yeah, you already know it's been a blessing. It's It's been a. Uh, been well overdue man it's and i i can't i can't be mad at that at all it's it was well worth it um and uh we'll see you back on the show and uh make sure you like subscribe hit the bell it is free if you want to donate do, donate to dollar sign hero Bob. there you go on time this time you know <laughs> Always um, on time. be ready to go uh so thank you for watching thank you for listening um we and we out peace Probably wonder if I think of you Sorry, I'm for the bag right now Yeah, I'm for the bag right now Yeah, for the bag that I never had Yeah, you probably mad right now Yeah, I got a two-piece now But shit, I think they call them groupies now